but it felt like a long time ago now. She reached under the bench for the baby bath. First things first, she thought. Dr. Francis Hugh Hewson paced in the small laboratory. He'd been wearing the sealed suit for so long, the high-density polyethylene material was chafing his skin raw. The inner lining of his nose was scabbing, and his lips were chapped and split from the dry air that circulated within the self-contained mobile unit. Hugh licked his lips as his stomach grumbled. He was learning to go hours without food and water. The time it took, having to go through the double decon chambers, first the air blast followed by chemical misting, and then the ultraviolets before exiting, only to then have to worm his way out of the rear flap of the heavy suit, made the few sips of fluid through a long straw far from worth it. The amount of time lost was enough to make him swallow down his hunger with a scratchy, dry throat. He needed answers fast, so he needed to work. He went to the computer and started typing up his latest results. Thankfully, the board had given up pressuring him for answers, preferring to simply log in and check the notes that he posted every three to six hours. Realistically, there was nothing to report beyond what they already knew. Harsh insecticides and chemical baths worked. Ultraviolet light worked. Many more chemical compounds also killed Sarcoptes scabii primus, and DDT worked best of all for a quick takedown. But the real problem was the same one that always manifested when treating viruses. Killing a virus was easy, that is, when they were free-range. However, for the most part, viruses tended to hide inside cell walls where they did the most damage to their host. To kill them there, you had to kill the cell itself, not ideal for the human body. The same issue arose when attempting to treat an infestation of the mite. The little monster was a burrower, and no matter how effective the external treatments, it needed to be applied directly to the skin. So far, the best-case scenario for individuals who were freed of both the living mites and their eggs was nausea, skin rashes, and respiratory problems. The short-term worst-case scenario was the risk of cancers developing. The long-term, absolute worst case was that chemical derivates turned out to be significant mutagens and destabilized human DNA for generations. What was the point of living today if it meant you rendered the population infertile or worse, gave them a 90% chance of severe birth defects for the next hundred years? Hugh snorted. The greener politicians had stopped talking about the debilitating effects to the water table or DDT residues turning up in the fatty deposits of whales. Any treatment was expected to be a potential hammer blow to the environment. But it was funny how pragmatism won out when the life in danger turned out to be their own. Hugh stood back and folded his arms within the bulky suit. He looked at the image of Scabii Primus, magnified on the computer screen. It was every horror writer's dream, or nightmare. A bulbous body with a chitinous coat and eight powerful legs, six of which ended in curved hooks, 
perfect for clinging to both hair and skin. The two legs near the head were smaller and sharper, looking like a combination of machete and chainsaw, used primarily for opening and then burrowing beneath the epidermal layers. But it was the thing's small head that was truly repulsive. Tear-shaped, with mandibles like twin buzzsaw blades, it was perfectly designed for what it needed to do, cut and eat its way into the skin, and then, once there, simply keep on eating. He shouldn't have been surprised that it was proving so formidable. This thing once fed on dinosaurs, so humans must have been a piece of cake, literally. Hugh sighed in the heavy suit and pulled up some maps of the American contamination shockwave, color-coded rings representing the infestation.